1: what was it about it? Was it the clients you were working with? Was it actually what you were doing? Was it the the season? Was it the place? Was it the relationships you had in your life at the time? It is my goal every single day to have not the best day ever, but to have my dream life and the life I'm living be the exact same life. And I'm so glad that I did it before I didn't have any time left.
0: Welcome to Hustle & Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we are two sisters who love business. On this show, we talk about the ups and downs the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey.
2: And we know all of the challenges that come with starting a business. Between operating our wedding venue, doing speaking and consulting, and starting our luxury wedding planning company,
0: we wake up and hustle every day. But we love what we do. And today, we're talking with Rachel Sheeran. Rachel is a motivational speaker, burnout expert, executive trainer, TED talk giver, podcaster, and future author. She does so much. We're friends with her and we can't even keep up. Whew, that's a long list. For those of
2: you that are listening, today we are drinking a mezcal jalapeno margarita. You can find the recipe in our show notes. Rachel, welcome to Hustle & Gather. Yes, welcome. Thank you so much, ladies. I, fe- I feel like I'm running down the walkway on
1: The prices Right right now, <laughs> being like, and just high-fiving all my friends right now. It's- it is an honor to be here, Bob. <laughs> I am so pumped. I've seriously been looking forward to talking with y'all for forever since you shared the idea of the podcast with me.
2: Well, yeah. I think you were one of the first people we spoke to. Yeah. We're like, we want to start it with Rachel. She's the hype girl. (laughs) Honored. Honored. Well, in what y'all are talking about throughout this
1: entire podcast series, it's not only, I I feel like it's so needed, but also too, one of those things where we only start talking about our journeys when someone's in crisis, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want to wait for a time where we're in crisis to talk about the things where we talk about, uh, you know, entrepreneurship and dreams and goals and how that blends into your personal life. So I'm already a fan.
0: (laughs) Thank you. All
2: right. Well, jumping right in. So um, we know a little bit about your backstory, but everybody else doesn't. But we know that you started working for yourself almost five years ago after being in the hospitality industry for eight years. And like that's a hard shift for a lot of people. So how did you know that it was time, time to go out on your own and do something different?
1: Yeah, I think some of the early indicators were probably when I was crying on the way to work (laughs) and then crying when I left work. That was probably an early one. Uh, Another indicator might have been when I started to resent the giant team I had built and all the clients that paid us money. Um, Another indicator might have been when I threw a bunch of laptops and said, F it, I'm out. (laughs) Those were probably some early indicators. Solid indicators. But I got (laughs) it. Oh, yeah, yeah. All things point to this maybe isn't what makes your soul glow right now. But I will say, like, it felt like it was out of freaking left field because I loved what I did, and I loved who I did it with. And to go from, like, one end to the spectrum to the other, I always thought, like, well, it's because I'm tired. It's because I'm stressed. It's because of this, this, and this. But there were a few things, and I have to credit social media in a way. I, I remember one of the days I was getting really frustrated I saw this Instagram you know, post and it said that you're going to be busy building somebody else's dream or you could be busy building your own. And I remember I was crying per usual in that season of life. I was crying because I knew it was true and I also didn't have a dream. And that I think was for the first time, it really scared me because I just, I had always been an ideas person, a creative person. And yet what do you do when your tank is totally empty and you know, you don't want to stay where you are. So I think I did what I don't advise most people that I talk to do. And I I quit cold turkey with no savings of, you know, or net to catch me or anything like that. And I just said, I'm going to trust that I'm going to figure it out. And about six months later, the words, I want to be a professional motivational speaker came out of my mouth. And then in the next breath, I was like, damn it, (laughs) I don't want to do that. That's embarrassed. I I think it was you know I, all the conjuring of uh, motivational speakers and cheesiness and stuff like that. And also, too, who would want to listen to me and. I also had a trope of, you know, a lot of speakers are white men who are very affluent. And I'm, I am, I am white, but I'm not a man. And I, I, at the time was not as affluent (laughs) as I thought I should have been.
2: Now you're less affluent. You just quit your job.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm, now I'm a minus affluent. I'm with the lower case a, but it's, it's one of those things where, uh. I loved what I did and I wanted to get that love back. And I just knew I couldn't stay where I was.
0: So how did you figure out that speaking was was your dream? That was the route you wanted to take? Yeah, like take
2: us to those six months between like, you know, F this, I'm done with that. And by the way, now I'm going to be a motivational speaker.
1: Yeah. Okay. So y'all, I did everything in those six months between. First of all, I started going to therapy. And to anybody who, uh, you know, I am I was raised Catholic. And so when we have feelings, we just need to eat, you know, or we need to sleep or we need to pray about it. And uh, some of those things worked for a while, but they didn't always work. And um, I went to therapy. One of the things I want to say out loud is I went to therapy every week for $10 a week. And I went to a master's program of marriage and family therapy at a local college around me. So if, you know, you're listening to this right now and either you or someone in your life wants therapy and you want it in person, you know, check and see if there are counseling programs or therapy programs around you because they do a sliding scale. And so, you know, $10 a week I would go. Um, I was doing everything to keep the lights on in my house. My husband had just started a new job and um, I was the breadwinner in our family until I'd decided to quit. So I was, you know, hosting yard sales. I was doing Uber. I was a photo shoot assistant for Belk's department store. And I, you know, here's the thing. I like having a million jobs. I think I, I learn from them. It's interesting. And as I started to do all these different jobs and try and get back to really focusing on myself, one of the things my therapist asked was, you know, what brings me joy? And she defined joy as what you truly loved without influence of anyone around you, like without the reactions of anyone Mm -hmm. around you. It was just right. It was just for me. And I mean, ladies, I know you all are parents. When's the last time the words just for me came up in your thought process? It doesn't, it, you know, typically not, especially in events and hospitality where we're thinking of the others, and we're thinking of the team and the guests, and we're thinking about the bogeys, you know, the people at like weddings or events that either shouldn't be there or were definitely overserved or whatever, you know. But long story short, is when I thought about joy, I was blank. I was like frighteningly blank for weeks, and I started to think about a band I loved growing up. And the way the singer, it was, yes, I liked the music, but it was what the singer said between songs that I loved. It was about believing in yourself and being yourself against the odds. And you know, like there was a line in one of the songs I always resonated, and it said, reasons not rules make you strong. And I thought, yes, because I came from a world of rules. And I was searching for all the reasons for these. Anyway, once I had that epiphany, then I said, you know, you immediately go into when when something you really desire happens, you start, at least I do, I start coming up with all the reasons why I can't. Oh, I'm too old. I don't have musical talent, like all this kind of stuff. But when I started to become very sad at that, I realized, no, 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 this person's a front person of a band, but they're a motivational speaker on stage. And What I started to do was take an idea from what I had done. I'd started doing some sales consulting for women creative businesses. And in one of the exercises, isn't it funny that we teach what we really need to know Mm -hmm. in one of the exercises, I have them draw a Venn diagram of three circles overlapping And one circle are all the skills that you have, tangible skills. And this would be like marketable skills, like selling or training, you know, team building. Then you have your dream circle, like your passion circle. This is like, I just, I love this. And like, and you suspend all these ideas of what you think is marketable. Forget about it. I mean, the Kardashians make millions and billions of dollars a year. Anything is possible. Full, full stop. And then you look at this third circle, which is how do you want the world to be different? And to me, one of the things that that allowed me to do was to look at, you know, I loved always presenting. I love training, you know, every job I went to, I was inspiring people, making people laugh, helping people be confident and emboldened. I mean, you know, like, these things were not by chance, they were by me. And I started to really own that. And then when I thought about the world I wanted, I was really angry for a long time at the owners of the catering company I'd left because what I thought and what I blamed him for for a long time was he took something I loved and took it from me, that he didn't support me enough that I could love it. And when I think back now, and this Venn diagram helped a lot, I didn't want anyone to have to rely on someone else to save them from burnout especially entrepreneurs that put their all into what they do. And that's how I felt as an employee. I was in in the executive leadership and I treated that business like my own. And here's a real fact that's so hard for me even today to accept, but work will never love me like I love work and I'm okay with it. Now I go in eyes wide open, but that's how I, I
0: made the leap. There's so many nuggets. Like I have like a whole page of things that are amazing but I think what is so resounding in me is that what you said like what you truly love is you love it when for those that who aren't around you essentially like you and I and I feel like in a world where we are so visual and our whole world is on display and there's a lot of times you make decisions because you're like how is that going to look to the outside world how is that going to look on my Instagram feed on my Facebook feed or whatever, or, and you're afraid to say, well, I've had this dream because you're afraid of the critic that's going to come after you. And so you squash that love and you squash that dream and you squash it because you're like, well, I just, maybe it isn't real because everyone around me is going to judge me. That's an amazing thing to realize and to to come to.
2: I think too, like, like I really resonate with that as well. Like the therapy, what do you, what you truly love when you're not influenced by others. And I think when you're in such like a burnout and like beat down state of just survival, it's hard to even put words to that. I've been through lots of couples counseling. And I remember one time in a particular low point, the therapist asked, what would this relationship look like when you knew it was going well, right? Like when you knew that things were going the way that you wanted them to go. And I sat there and I stared at her and I was like, I have no idea. Like literally, I have no idea. I've just been putting one foot in front of the other and I haven't thought about what good looks like. I just thought about what now looks like and survival. And You get in that point of survival and you stop looking forward. How did you deal with or get over like that imposter syndrome feeling like from going to being a catering professional to six months later, moving into I'm going to be a motivational speaker like you have to really get over yourself to be able to do that. And what are some tips you'd want to give some of our listeners?
1: Yeah, I would say one thing I did very early on was I called my friend group, and I kicked out a lot of folks. And, and yeah, I mean, here's the thing, nobody turns into this podcast is like, what should I do fire my friends. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you right now, you know, there's a saying in the South, uh, friends are there for a reason, a season or a lifetime and i had to acknowledge that a lot of the people i would consider friends because all of my friends typically were through work were there for a season or they were there for a reason they were there for a reason because i had hired them and paid them to be there uh that's that hurts in a way but that's the real i mean that's the real deal i think the other side of it was i realized that to do really great things that scared me, I couldn't allow other people's fear to be around me. For a long time, I didn't tell my mom about my work. Part of it was it's not because she's not a wonderful person. So hi, mom, if you're listening. It it wasn't that it was that my mom, my mom has done the same work for 30 years. She she's a loyal, steady person that does not take risks. She's risk averse. And I'm a risk enthusiast. Mm And while she believed in me, her fears and nerves weren't helpful for me so early in a delicate journey, you know? So I, I looked around and I said, every single person that believes in me and that says nice things isn't doing it to stroke my ego. What if I really thought the compliments people gave me were the truth? And the second I thought, what if people say things because they're true, not because they're being nice, changed everything. Because I think as women specifically, we're taught to shrug off like, oh, I love your jacket. Oh, it's just from sale at Target. (laughs) Like, no big deal. Why can't we just take the damn compliment? Why can't we just believe that people uh, are going to say things because they need it? Why, especially in the events industry, especially in hospitality, especially in servant-hearted leadership, do we think that every time we get a compliment, we need to then give something back to the other person? Why are we coaching people? The fact is, is that if I don't believe in myself, then why the hell would anyone else believe in me? If I don't think I'm the expert, why should you? And I think that that almost said, okay, well, what do I need to do to feel like the expert? And there's a phrase that says competence builds confidence. I challenge everybody. If you don't feel like you're the expert in whatever you do, find a mentor, find education, go out and read the books, go to YouTube university. You don't have to spend a dime, like really get information, build your confidence, right? And then on the other side is prove it with a sale. The first sale, the first keynote speech I was ever paid for, I got to speak at the Fairmont in San Jose, California. I rode in the middle seat, basic economy, last row of the airplane. I was so nervous. The stewardess, I'll never forget her, Janet, uh, Janet on American Airlines, she gave me all these bottles of Woodford Reserve, <laughs> which is really nice, yeah. you know, because I was so nervous. And I get very uh, motion sick. So I was feeling, you know, the back of the plane is not the place. But you know what? I I could pay for the ticket, and I want to shout out uh, Kevin Dennis from Silicon Valley Nace. He was the first person to ever pay me. He paid me two hundred and fifty dollars, uh, plus travel to get on that plane. And y'all, the second I got that money was the second it proved that I was what I what I'd always dreamed of be, like what what I was going after. And if someone would pay me two fifty, that means they'd pay me twenty five hundred, and that means they'd pay me twenty five thousand too. It was just a matter of when I got there.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I feel like it's – what you kind of hit the nail on the head about it's all about your environment too. It's about what we decide to bring into our lives when we decide to believe about ourselves is really what we emanate. And like I, I am a, a huge fan of calling friend groups. I am a chameleon. So I can be nice to everybody and anybody. But there are very few people who actually know me, like fully know my fears, my desires, and know truly who I am because I don't trust that with everybody. And I don't trust my dreams and my wants, my desires with just a random Not person. Not everybody
1: deserves your story, your honesty.
0: Right? That's such great advice. Because I feel like, too, like my friends, they they are the ones that are my hype people. Like my best friend from college, like she sends me so much business because she's like, you're the best wedding planner. I was like, I didn't even plan your wedding. You don't know anything <laughs> about my business, but she's like, but you're doing it. So you're amazing. And I see all, I see what you're doing. And and what she really means is
1: you're the best because Dana, if you became a realtor, you'd be the best. And like, that's something that's in you. That's not something you do. Right. It's so true. Oh,
2: going to therapy today. Deep stuff. Yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And you know, Dana, when you talk about like the friend that encourages you, I think You know, sometimes it's tough because some people don't understand what we do. Like everyone, like what does an actuary do? I have no clue, but, but they work hard, but it really is about the person you are while doing it and what people feed, you know, like entrepreneurship at its core, it can be a dream come true or it can be a nightmare or it can be both. I mean, really, honestly, it's both sometimes. But I don't need other people's nightmares coming in. I I hang out with people who have dreams, you know, and whether or not, uh, you know, I have a friend of mine. They, they want to move to Costa Rica. They want to have a coffee bean farm. They want to tell the government nothing. You know, like uh, you go, you go and hoard all those coffee beans or do whatever <laughs> you want to do. Like I might not understand that fully, but I love that for them. It, it's that kind of stuff that like when I hear people undercutting their dreams, I think that's one thing entrepreneurs are at risk at is am I going for something that's too big? And I think that's the wrong question to ask. The real question you should be asking is, is what I'm going after, what I really want? And am I going to love the journey too? Because I think it's it's possible to be blissfully challenged. This past year, I've been blissfully challenged because I at first thought I was hating everything, you know, being uh, being at home, not having stages. I mean, so many cancellations, y'all were in the same boat here. But then I started to realize I'm not here to be up on stage. I'm here to talk to people about burnout and loving their work and being massively successful. I could do that if I had a transistor radio. (laughs) And so this idea of like, are you going to be blissfully challenged? Are you (laughs) going to look at the challenges that you have? I think that's a big I didn't realize when I started my business, but that has really made a lot of the difference in how much fun I'm having along the way.
2: I just had this image of you in like some post-apocalyptic world where you're on some transistor radio. Like, do you have your hacksaw ready for today? You've got this. You know, like, <laughs> yes. the zombies are coming, but you are prepared. It is in you.
1: <laughs> totally. If anyone out there is currently scripting for a comedic spoof on The Walking I Dead, I am happy to be that, uh, that person. transition yes. radio. Yes. I'm dramatic Mm -hmm. and I'm creative and I I live in a fantasy world occasionally for creativity. And I do think about like, God, if if the odds were so stacked against us, like who would I be? And it it reminds me of a phrase my mom used to say about people who won the lottery. It should say that money doesn't change you. It just enhances what's already there. And I think that's one of the things about entrepreneurship Th- that it applies to, because entrepreneurship feels like Mad Max mixed with Jurassic Park right. mixed with like the Wolf of Wall Street mixed with the Titanic. You're like falling in love, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, there's a damn iceberg that you didn't even like that wasn't even your responsibility, but now you got to deal with it, you
2: know, but you were just standing on the bow of the ship, like live living loving life with your arms open, not
0: two hours I earlier. was the queen of the
1: That's world, right. I know ridiculous. It it is. It's fun. It's it's mostly a dream and it's sometimes a nightmare.
0: Yeah, I I really, I really resonate with that a lot. But like I, for me, I am such a goal-oriented person. I like to know I for the longest time I made one-year plans, five-year plans, 10-year plans, and I quit doing that because it would just frustrate the hell out of me because I never, it never happened. But I think one of the biggest things when I hear people talk about entrepreneurship is the fear of like they have a goal in mind, either never getting to it or it changing so drastically. And for me, I feel like I've always had an end goal. Like my end goal is to stop planning weddings and just be a support system. I want to hop in on some fun ones. I want to give some feedback. I want to like just be in that that role. And same thing with like our, the Bradford. Like I would love to just be a manager. Uh, like a high-end manager where I don't have to talk to you every single day. She's saying like COO. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So like, but that end goal was supposed to be 2020, right? Like that was supposed to be it. And I mean, I think it was the middle of the year. We're still taking out the trash, but maybe this isn't what our end goal is. Like maybe that has to change. Like maybe our, it's different now based on, you know, where we are, but I don't know. I feel like that's one of the things I hear a lot of people talk about with entrepreneurship is it's like this ever-moving target, like where you're just like, okay, I'm just going to shoot here, shoot here, shoot here, and then maybe something will stick. Um, But did you feel like when you stopped working, you had that six months, you're like, I'm going to be this. What was your end goal dream? And is that very different from where you are right now?
1: You know, this sounds trite, but it's the truth. My goal was to be happy. Mm -hmm. It had been such a long time since I had been really happy without anything in my day that I wasn't dreading. The thing is, and and I would challenge you, and Dean, I think that's where you are. And Courtney, you were last year as well, is this idea of, yes, the goals matter. Because I love goal setting. I love crushing goals. I mean, y'all, you know, I'm getting that private jet. Like, this is not if, it's when. But when it comes to goals, like, yes, set the goals for sure. But also to set a serious goal and intention for who you're going to be on the way to getting there. Because that, to me, it sets you up for success no matter how you slice it. Because here's the thing, the person you are taking out the trash is still the person you are as COO. Like, you still are somebody who will do anything for your team. You'll, you're somebody who is profit-focused because it's important and it's part of your goals. But also, to you're a humble leader. You're a servant leader. You're somebody who shows up. These kinds of things. You know, that's why, to me, I set goals in four ways. I say, what's my personal goal, my professional goal, my health goal, and my relationship goals? Because, y'all, some years... Some years professionally is gonna suck. I, 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 you know, I've I have friends in the speaker world that are multi million dollar a year folks. And they've thought 2020 was the worst year that's ever happened to them. And to be quite honest, they missed the part where they're, you know, spent more time with their family, which I loved. Personally, last year was one of the best years. Professionally, it wasn't so bad either, you know, and I'm I'm thankful for that. Health-wise, it was my best health year of all time. And you know why? When I set four goals, when I have four ways that I can measure success, if I get 80% of the way to two and fail at the other two, great, that's a win.
0: Well- What was your biggest, would you say, your biggest like, oh, shit moment? You were just like, I don't know if I'm actually cut out for this. And you kind of hit that really low and you had to pull yourself out of it.
1: Uh, One of the um, speeches that I was giving, I am from the Northeast. And so I say, hey, guys, I've been working on saying, hey, Mm -hmm. y'all, a a lot more to be more inclusive. And I was giving a presentation to a, a major university and I said, hey, guys. And I remember the coordinator called me from the university afterwards. She's like, we loved it all, but your language was not inclusive. Like, just as a heads up, you said, hey, guys. And I will tell you, working with young adults and education and and booking um, through my agent on the education market has been a real eye-opener for those kinds of things. And the idea of microaggressions and what I was speaking on and, you know, know, being anti-racist is definitely at the top of my mind, uh, being inclusionary, getting more women and persons of colors on stage has always been a core driver for me. But y'all, when she said, Hey, you know, and, and I think there's a chance that it made people feel singled out or uninclusive that got me. It, It was, I think in September, October of 2020, it got me on such a deep level because I had betrayed who I was I you know if you if you meet me you see me right you all know me that that's I am an inclusive person you could tell me anything and I will accept you and 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 be curious about you and support you but to know that I had done something that had been the exact opposite of what I was there to do instead of motivate I alienated instead of included I excluded like th- those kinds of things that I I had a serious long cry and I thought am I the person to carry the weight. Like, am am I somebody that should be listened to if I could be so flippant, so careless? I, I understand what happened. The client was totally fine. Like, it's not about that. It's about looking at myself and saying, am I worthy and serious enough about the gravitas that I have? It was the first time I think in a long time, I had realized how much what I said was getting listened to. And I took my influence, I think even more seriously. You know, when I think about the person that I am and the legacy I'd like to leave behind, it made me really stop and reassess not just what I was saying, but what I was thinking, what I was reading, what's on my website, the way I speak on social media, because I thought if I could so casually have said one thing that I was aware of, but to be honest, if you had asked me before that speech, if you throw a, hey guys in there, is it a big deal? I would have said no. But it's because I'm not listening to myself with the gravitas that other people are. And and that's really an honor. I think when you're, when you're an entrepreneur, the entrepreneurs at least that I get along with the most are people who really take seriously and love and take with pride the impact they have not just on themselves, you know, but their team, their clients, the world. And I, I think if we were all mindful about that just a little bit more, the world might be a, a little different.
0: We just actually had Evolve last weekend, and they talked a lot about inclusion and whatnot. And um, I think the one thing she said, like, you can't be afraid to make mistakes, but stay persistent. And that really spoke a lot to me because I'm terrified of making mistakes. Because very much like you, I know my heart and, like, I want to be inclusionary. Like, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want anyone to think... And part of it is, truthfully, I don't want to think negatively of me. Like, I don't want them to have this opinion because living in the South, you are automatically characterized as one way. It's terrifying. I'm so afraid. Like, every single post I make, every single thing, I'm, like, editing it, making sure I'm hitting all these markers. But I feel like a lot of times, too, is it's, it silences me more because I'm too afraid of offending Everybody, as opposed to just saying like my truth in a way that I know my heart is pure and true, that makes sense. But that's that's intense. I mean, I think that's an intense thing to go through and to like question who you are based on, uh, hey guys, it's something that I think is amazing. I think we all should reflect our own speech in that way and like have that same weight with how we talk to people.
2: I think with great influence comes great responsibility, and I think as your influence grows so does your responsibility to those that you are influencing and it sounds like kind of like one of those moments like oh okay let me realize that well this isn't my intention this isn't how I meant to sound this is how it came across as somebody else that you're trying to influence in a positive way and you don't want your message to be lost by just some colloquialism from like Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania because we're the same way I'm like a guys everything's coke to me even if it's Pepsi you know like those kind of things like it doesn't mean anything it's just How I learned growing up. You know, to that point, it's like I think
1: entrepreneurs, to everyone listening out there, I think the fact is is that you don't have to be in my line of work to have influence you don't have to be leader in the title to be a leader. You don't have to think yourself worthy of following to have people that follow you. I mean, parents, parenting seems like one of the hardest things ever. And while they're adorable and smelly and wild and all all other kinds of things, what they really are for a long time are carbon copies of you and what you say and, and what you think. And I think that's one of the... I think both cool to your, to your point, Courtney, it's, it's both a very heavy responsibility and also a very exciting one. The idea that like, how would you present yourself differently? How would you speak differently if you knew people would emulate you? And to me, I think that's where we speak with kindness and love and encouragement and empowerment. You know, I don't think that people wake up in the morning being like, Oh, I can't wait to dash someone's dreams today. <laughs> right. Be super rude to them, scar them for life. Right? You know, no, nobody does that. But that happens through microaggressions and passive aggressiveness, and sometimes straight out aggressiveness.
0: But what I what I love, and I think this is a great like just takeaway point, is you have to be okay to make the mistake and let someone come back and tell you that maybe you messed up because that's the only way you're going to grow. It's the only way you're going to learn. And at the end of the day, I say this all the time to my people, my boys, like they're going to know your heart, like your actions, your words, how you treat people. They're going to know who you are more than what you say. And if what you say is not right, like don't be afraid when someone says, Hey, like that offended me for you to say, I'm so sorry. Like, how should I have said that? Like for the longest time I didn't know is it appropriate to say African American is p- appropriate to say black. I'd ask a friend of mine. I was like, "What is it? what's right? Like I don't I don't want to say the wrong thing and I was felt like I was just you know, not being appropriate in the conversations I was having and being open to having that dialogue with somebody and having that yeah. feedback curiosity. For sure.
1: My my dad he used to say um aren't you very important phrase for me. It's uh, aren't you glad you found out now? And that after, you know, after like some serious reflection on it, I thought like, yeah, I am glad I found out now because, you know, 3,000 people is a very large stage to me. But 30,000 people will be in my future. And I'm so glad to be more aware of that. You know, I will say quickly, the other thing that was pretty, pretty brutal was I almost I almost went down in a plane crash. On the way to my first national convention I ever spoke at. That was the other thing I did think on. But that maybe is for another episode. Oh my gosh,
0: you leave us on a cliffhanger.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a moment. Yeah, that that was a real moment. That was great. I arrived too, and the conference didn't have any A V for me. It was kismet. It was great. And you know what? That was one of the scariest days of my life. And I will say out loud, it was by far one of the best because it it really solidified that I loved. What I was doing. And I think, you know, to end this episode, I would say, remember the days where you love what you were doing? What was it about it? Was it the clients you were working with? Was it the, the actually what you were doing? Was it the the season? Was it the place? Was it the you know, the relationships you had in your life at the time? Was it this, you know, combination of everything? It is my goal every single day to have not not the best day ever, but to have my dream life and the life I'm living be the exact same life. And I used to think it was, you know, going to be in some like mansion or something like that. Heck no, I'm saving pennies for the jet. All right. We got all right. I'll live in a brick ranch house all over the world. But it's this kind of idea of what is around you as you do it. You know, that's going to be if if, you know, getting some feedback and, and having me really reassess was one of the more challenging ones. I think almost dying was another one. And it just made me solidify like, yep, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm, is what I'm doing. And I'm so glad that I did it before I didn't have any time left.
0: But it has been so wonderful talking to you. I feel like you always just I have like just pages of like nuggets just to think on and so much inspiration and just really tangible ways to think about like your life.
1: I I will just like to say that if you enjoyed this episode, this is what, you know, making sure your friend circle is supportive and looks like. Like, this is how I walk away from speaking with you both thinking about so much. And we pull so much from each other. I think that's where, you know, it is that, like, I think about, like, people who climb cliffs, which is definitely not me. (laughs) Me neither. But I always think about, like, the person that, like, grips onto your wrist and pulls you up. It's like there's, there's... there's that security, but the person who's getting pulled up is really doing most of the work there. But that's what great friendships are like. And I'm really grateful. I think that's what we have.
0: Thanks everyone for gathering with us today to talk about the hustle. To check out Rachel, visit rachelshearin.com, listen to her podcast, F This S, or follow her on Instagram at rachelsheran. And to learn more about our hustles, visit cndevents.com. Thebradfordnc.com and hustleandgather.com. Or follow us on Instagram at CNDEvents, Events, at thebradfordnc, and at hustleandgather. And if you like this show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production
2: of Ear Fluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle and Gather.